You see, Jason was my son. And today is his birthday. I'm a messenger of God. You're doomed if you stay here. What's up, guys? Welcome in to another episode of It's a Horror Podcast. My name is Wes. How's it going, everybody? It is your boy, Kevin. Oh, I thought you were going to do your uh, Big Kid and Rescue thing. Yeah, it's just a little schlocky. It's it's a little past due. You know, I didn't want to try and drag that out any longer than necessary. Maybe maybe I'll bring it up again. We'll see. You know, I got to okay. uh, spice it up for the people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I about to say. Yeah. It's all good because you don't, like I said, you don't want to give them too much because then it's like, ugh, you know, it's coming a little too hot. But, you know. Oh, it's, exactly. It's, it's, I, I dipped my toe for now and I may re-dip it. We'll see. Ooh, we're dipping the toes. All right. Well, huh? sounds good to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as long as I get dip in there too. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Uh, we're all, fr- all was it frisky, feisty, all that stuff today. Frisky. Um, I, I mean, where we go mix them together. I'm coming off of a, a little bender from last night. So I'm, my head's pounding just a little bit still. Uh, Taylor, thank you very much for uh, showing me a good time. Um, <laughs> whoa, 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 I mean, whoa. We won't go too much into that. We'll just leave that out right there on, on the table. Let you figure that out. So we need to put in like a little boing. Yeah, I tried to find a good throw up sound too. I got I got to work on these sound effects, guys. They're, they're coming. I promise you. I just got to work on finding the right one that fits just right. So yeah, we'll get uh, there. Okay, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get for it. We're just three seasons in. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think tonight we're going to talk about a, uh, older school director. Uh, we've already covered, you know, Carpenter and Roth. Now we're going to dip our toes into a little Dario Argento and, um, and what's, uh, one of your favorites, Kevin. So, uh, you know, well, what, give us a little, just a little taste before you get into it of what you think of Argento. So, um, honestly, a lot of this Italian horror, um, people love it or hate it. Uh, I, I know which side you fall on um i fall on personally i i love it it's it's a lot of fun um there's a there's a bit of a history i have a little history lesson i've got coming up for you guys that just kind of explains um how kind of important this genre was on american films in the 80s um so yeah i i really enjoy it uh um Dario Argento has a lot of good kills in his films he's got Mm -hmm. a lot of good set pieces a lot of good uh set design fucking fantastic uh sa- uh music what's that called scores yeah score you score yeah there you go yeah the soundtracks are brilliant and i've got a lot more to say in a little bit very good well i can't wait to hear all of us so uh you know what let's just get right into it because like i said i, I i'm not gonna show you too much but like you know this, this is definitely not my forte but like i know this is yours so i'm really anxious to hear all your little tidbits and all your facts and on you know the films you think are the best. So I'm, I'm really anxious to hear this. So I'm listening right to it. So let's hear about uh, Mr. Argento. So it's your boy, Dario Argento. Now, um, he was born in Rome, Italy, September 7th, 1940. 
To date, he currently has 42 writing credits, 17 producing credits, and 21 full-length director credits. Now, with this being our third episode, I have really noticed how many more producing and writing and acting credits these directors have as opposed to directing full-length films. Now, obviously, being in the director chair takes a lot more time and energy, and you can't just pump out these films like you can if you're producing a film or writing a film so i mean all that makes sense but what everyone knows about dario argento is he pretty much he didn't he didn't create the whole giallo genre that was more so probably i believe it started around the late 50s early 60s um however he he popularized the hell out of it so giallo films for people that don't know are italian films most common in the 60s and 70s obviously when dario argento was releasing a lot of his films well his first film was in 1970 so the term giallo actually means yellow in italian now do you have any guess how that's connected i'm trying to figure it out i have no idea well it is named that because most of the novel covers giallo books released in italy were yellow the covers were yellow to grab people's attention so oh. I don't know. I mean, personally, I don't think that's the most creative name. Cause like, if you're Italian, you're just like, Oh, you know, how, like how we call slasher movies, slasher movies. It's like, Oh, those are yellow movies. You know, like, I don't. Yeah. That just that makes know. no sense. I mean, it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. But, right. I mean, right. It's just kind of a little, uh, tooth and nail, but anyhow, yeah. um, now people are mo- probably wondering, well, what's so important about Giallo films? Well, it was a huge factor in, kind of paving the way for halloween 1978 a lot of the same styles you know the there's a lot of pov shots then that's kind of popular with these giallo films because the whole point is the mystery you don't know who the people are i mean obviously you know it's michael myers killing people in halloween that's not a spoiler alert uh so (laughs) so you're right but just kind of like the stock and slash thing was very important in these giallo films and and the kills and in the gore and and everything that came in 80s slasher movies and of course the onslaught that was thereof was really credited to this giallo genre this this little this little country italy man they just started really paving the way for how horror was gonna kind of change for decades it i i think it's very impressive um that's almost like a certain country now just kind of really paving the way in terms of a specific genre and then just leading the way in terms of the future for the genre. You know, I, I don't know. I just think it's very impressive that that America kind of took their idea and, and ran with it the way they did. And, and I, I feel like Jello movies aren't really given their credit a lot of the time, but be that as it may or may not be, I will move on. So, um, <laughs> so what I think makes Dario Argento stand out from his predecessors is his style. Now, it, again, you, you love it or hate it either. A lot of people can think his movies are too artsy, you know, I I do agree at points. Um, a lot of them are just kind of almost trying too hard to be stylish, you know. Mm. But be that as it may or may not be, I love the use of his colors. Uh, obviously, anybody who's seen his films knows his use of rich and bright colors, as well as, again, his artistic style and shots. Now, I'm not going to delve into this too much because all you motherfuckers are like, I just want to hear what movies you hate and you love, so... I will just uh, move on from that. Now, 
What's also interesting about Argento is he commonly works with a lot of his family members. His father, Salvatore Argento, produced many of his films. Uh, the last one he worked on was Tenebrae in 1982, and his father passed away in 1987. So he worked on a lot of his earlier films. Now, uh, Dario Argento also has a younger brother named Claudio Argento, who has produced most of Argento's films since Deep Red, which was released in 1975. So he's done pretty much Deep Red to now. And I mean, by now, uh, his last movie that came out was 2012. I believe it was Dracula 3D. And he's rumored to have a new movie come out this year called The Sandman. Now, it's scheduled to be released this year, but God knows what the hell is going on with cinema this year. Uh, I don't mm. expect, you know, anything to be released this year. So right. I guess we'll just well, have did, to. Uh, did, did you hear that uh, Saw got pushed back? Or uh, not Saw, but um, Spiral got pushed back next year? See, I did push back a whole year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, yeah. just like you said, I don't think anything's coming out this year. So, yeah, we might as well just wait. Just fucking wait. So Exactly. So, Argento's got 21 directed films. I'm going to name them off real quick. I'm just going to plow through them. I believe this is probably – how many films did John Carpenter have? It was right about this, I think. It was close, yeah. yeah. It was close. All right, so I'm just going to rattle these off real quick. Uh, so, just stay tuned. I've got – so, Argento's first full-length film was released in 1970 it was called the bird with the crystal plumage now obviously i'm not going to give my opinion on these films because that's what the whole next segment is about so everybody hold your goddamn britches all right uh <laughs> 1971 he came out with two films that year the cat of nine tails or oh, oh excuse me the cat o nine tails and four flies on gray velvet it's 1973 he released the five days 1975 released deep red 1977 was suspiria 1980 was inferno 1982, Tenebrae. 1985, Phenomena. 1987, Opera. 1990, Two Evil Eyes, which, if anyone's seen that film, it's a it's like an anthology film with two stories in it, and each one's like an hour long, so that's close enough to me to honestly kind of be a full length. I know a lot of people will kind of cut it off and be like, oh, no, you know, that doesn't count, but uh, this is my podcast, so shut up. Uh, uh, <laughs> 1993, Trauma. 1996, The Stendhal... Uh, Stendhal... Jesus Christ, I can't oh, say it. back up, back up, start again. The Stendhal Syndrome. Excuse me, go. Christ. Nice. Uh, 1998, nice. The Phantom of the Opera. 2001, Sleepless. 2004, The Card Player. 2005, a TV film called Do You Like Hitchcock? I'll, I'll tell everyone now, I... I've never seen that, so uh, spoiler alert for my future list to come. 2007, picked it back up again with uh, Mother of Tears. 2009, he released a film called Giallo. Look at that. Yeah, hey, yellow. You know, a little right. meta. Yeah, a little meta yeah. going on here. There you go. I like it. Then 2012, Dracula 3D. And then, of course, he was scheduled to have a uh, new film out this year, as previ- previously aforementioned, but we shall see. I will not be holding my breath. Yeah, me either. But that's kind of exciting, though, you know, I mean, because like I said, he's like you said, he's one of the people that, you know, really sets the bar. So if he's still making them now, that's fucking awesome. Really? Exactly. Exactly. And I also wanted to mention, too, a thing that a lot of people hate about these old school Italian films is the dubbing issue. Now, mm-hmm. anybody who has seen one of these films knows kind of how horrible the the lips don't match up with the actors and. And there's actually several reasons for that. And, and so if you've ever watched one of these movies and you've noticed that their lips don't match and and it sounds quirky and, you know, it kind of results in bad acting because obviously if you're voicing post credits, you know, you're not in the moment. You're not going to say things exactly the right way. So it's going to come off weird. Um, They did that because in Italy, they didn't really use boomsticks. They didn't capture 
uh, voices when they were uh, recording. Actually, uh, funny enough, Jennifer Connelly in one of the films I'm going to mention later on said how weird it was to film because there's people working on the set next door and they're hammering around and everything because they're not worried about the sound because they add all that shit post credits. And also because these Italian filmmakers would literally ship actors to Italy from anywhere in the world, whoever was cheapest. So a lot of these actors didn't even speak the goddamn same language, you know? So it was just easier to just have them act it out, just try their hardest and then just add everything post credits. And obviously for people that couldn't speak English or Italian, they would literally just have to find somebody new to dub their voice. So it's, it's kind of interesting. It kind of adds to the charm personally. I think so, but I could definitely see how that could take it out for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it didn't really bother me at all, but yeah, like I said, there are some people that just probably couldn't jive those together. So yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, dude, that's that was a lot of information. I was. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> I gotta take a breath. I, I'm impressed. I'm serious. Like I was wanting to hear all that, and I did. And now I'm like, fuck. I'm I'm schooled on Italian. Uh, this Italian director. I mean, even on this Italian yeah, directing boy, period, you rock hard. And then for Dario Argento. So, oh, dude, I'm still. Hear that? Oh, wow. <laughs> Maybe you didn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Horror is that attention, sir? Um, all right. Well, I think we're, uh, I think we're ready to go. Cause I don't, like I said, I'm anxious to hear what you have, uh, for your order and what you have picked. So, um, Uh-oh, yeah, excited. So let's just go right into it. Yes. Very. All right. Well, of course we always have that one movie that just, uh, smells, you know, a little, a little shitty. Um, but well, you know, it's not yellow. It's not giallo. I mean, I guess it'd be it's brown. Movie, so. It's brown. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, like, it could be little corn pieces. Oh, that's true. Well, what's the, what's the Italian word for brown? Do you know the Italian word for brown? Um, no. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Give me a second. Uh, I'm no. looking it up. I'm looking it up. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so while, while he's looking that up, I'll just say that, um, yeah, I'm just going to keep talking for a moment until he. It's Moron. Maron. Okay. So Maron. So yeah. So this is a Maron pick maybe. Is that right? That works. Yeah. Well, let's, well, let's roll we with that. Perfect. All right. Well, let's just, <laughs> let's just get into it. <laughs> Here it comes, baby. Down the chute. Hey, kids. It's time for Kevin's shit pick of the week. So personally, this film was a no-brainer in my own opinion. Now, you right. might love this film. Speaking to you, Wes, or anybody out there. Mm-hmm. I had to put the Stendhal syndrome. Okay. From 1996. That's... Now, this is kind of a lesser seen film. It's it's from his 90s, so it was kind of after his peak. It was after a, a lot of uh, his success. It it stars his daughter, uh, Asia Argento, which mm-hmm. is actually interestingly enough, uh, her, her her mother. I forgot to mention this earlier too. Dar- okay, I'm I'm gonna just ru- run this out real quick, right? There's a, there's a woman named Daria Nicolodi who was in a lot of Dario Argento's films and she was actually Argento's partner from 1974 to 1985. And that is uh, Asia Argento's mother. So that that's oh. kind of fun, I guess, whatever. Okay, now back yeah. to the Stendhal Syndrome, eh? So, there you go. Oh man, this movie sucks. Uh, <laughs> so it's literally, it's about Asia Argento. Some people pronounce her name Asia. So, uh, excuse me if I'm not saying it right. Um, yell at me or something. I don't care. Uh, 
you bastard. Man, I sound like a callous asshole sometimes. I'm just like, is <laughs> this is my podcast. Like, I can do what I want. Like, no, I, I promise you, everyone, I'm, I'm more humble than that. All right, but um, <laughs> yeah, Asia Argento is most commonly known for being in Triple X, released in 2002, and she was actually in Land of the Dead in 2005. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yes. So. Before those, she was in a little ditty called the Stendhal Syndrome. Now, if you ever wondered what would happen if Dario Argento learned about CGI, this is the movie for you. Now, there is a scene with Asia Argento literally just taking a couple pills. Like, not like bad bad pills, but just, just like headache pills or something. She passed out. I, I don't know what happened. I couldn't really pay attention too well. And it literally, it was a CGI of her, like inside of her, like mouth, and then these pills traveling through her system. And there's no reason for it. I was expecting them to be like poisonous and like kill her or something. And that's why it was paying so much attention to these drugs going through her system. But no, it was just like she was taking some goddamn ibuprofen, and Dario Argento was like, I'm going to see inside my daughter. And, well, Jesus, that was that <laughs> sounded really that, but, bad, dude. Oh my gosh! <laughs> there's just a couple other cases with that. The CGI was just kind of really, really not great. I mean, it's '96, so what do you expect? But there's also a scene where Asia Argento is uh making out with a fish. It's like right at the beginning too, and Uh-oh. it's just what? Yeah, it's just not good. I, I'll give you the premise like of the film because. Yeah, I feel like this is one you probably haven't seen, and I literally don't blame anybody for watching this one. Yeah. Um. Did you see it? No, I did not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's 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 just about a woman who she can the Stendhal syndrome is like where you can look at something and then you can hear or you can picture yourself being in it. So this film, there's a museum, and you know she she sees a painting and she like gets sucked into that world where. She can, if there's a horse, she can hear the horse neighing and, and trottling around and and all that shit. So it's just kind of her going in and out of these paintings. And there's a, some there's a serial killer in the real world. And I mean, there's a, there's a couple decent kills, but I mean, it's just nothing, nothing, nothing. When you see Suspiria or other, some of those other films in his earlier um, list. Oh, man, what a kind of fall from grace this film was. And I, I want I'm going to actually name another film uh trauma from 1993 i put that one on it wasn't terrible that's why i had to put the stendhal syndrome here but like it was just kind of the same where a lot of his 90s films just aren't really entertaining and it's just very kind of drone ish and you're just kind of watching it and there's just get to that point where you're like i just want this to be over mm, yeah i mean that does sound very I don't want to say interesting. It sounds, I don't even want a word for that. I just, yeah, let's just, let's just call it a shit pick and we'll just leave it like that. But, but it kind of reminds me, you know, like you said, like when she can hear something and then it's inside of it, it's kind of like when I hear you and then I'm inside of you. So I guess like, kind of, exactly. I knew you'd understand. That's what I connected to. Yeah. I connect those two together. Okay. I'm, I'm good now. I got it. I understand the movie now. Perfect. And honestly, that sounds like a pretty cool idea. Like it, it is a really unique I thing. This is actually a real thing where people can visually see something and then they can hear about it. Like if I looked at a picture of you, I would hear you just talking shit about Demon Wind. Um, I mean, you know, pretty much. Exactly. That's just how yeah. it. That's just how it goes sometimes. So yeah. that's my shit pick. Um, love it or hate it. Uh, I can see why you might like it. I can definitely see why you'd hate it. And that's right. that. There you go. And this uh, let's let's take down and flush it on the toilet, pretty much. So we need a little flush, yeah. a little flush thing after that. All right. I Ooh, guess we'll yeah, have to work on. 
I got something to work on for the next uh, next couple podcasts. So, all right. <laughs> well, I guess it's time to get into our uh, our lists here. So, um, you ready to go, my friend? Yes, and yeah, I want to mention it. that I don't know his list. Wes doesn't know mine. It's interesting. It's fun. You take a chili, you put a little jalapeno habanero, depends on your um, tolerance, and uh, yeah. makes it exciting. So we're going to go. He doesn't know if I love or hate a movie. I don't know if he loves or hates a movie. So enjoy. I do love you, so we'll set up. So. Well, everyone knows that. I know. I already know that. So. I mean, some people might not. I mean, I just want to make it very clear. So hands off my man, Bean. Yeah, now they know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, here's uh, here's number five, sir. Number five. Hell is behind that door. They call us. You have killed, and you will kill again. Tell this the real story. I want to tell the real story of. My films, my my story, my my life. My... All right, number five. I've got Tenebrae, released in nineteen eighty-two. Okay. Now, is this one that you had seen or no? Uh, n- well, I mean, no, I haven't. I'll okay. Just say it. Okay. Um, Gotcha. So, the term tenebrae is actually a religious celebration observed by Western Christianity, where candles are slowly extinguished on the three preceding days of Easter. Does that have anything to do with the film? Goddamn no, it does not. Now, I don't <laughs> I don't really understand, but uh, be that as it may or may not be, there are subtle hints of Christianity through the film, because it's about an author who writes this book, and it kind of fuels a killer to go on a, on a killing spree, and then end with the killing the writer himself now i'm not going to give away too much with that but um it's actually funny i'm going to give you a couple facts about this film real quick before i kind of talk about my opinions uh dario argento has actually gone on record saying that anthony franciosa who played the author peter neal the the main guy in this film was one of the hardest actors he's ever had to work with i guess he was just being a chode or something during filming Hmm. um and it's cool. An unused goblin score excerpt from Dawn of the Dead, released in 1978, was used during the scene where Tilda and her girlfriend are arguing in the apartment. Now, that's obviously, if anyone's seen this film, they definitely know that kind of scene and what happens and the outside shot of nothing but just wall for like a minute and a half and then them both getting slaughtered. Uh, um, spoiler alert. So, yeah. Now, what I like about this one... Um, it, obviously it's number five, so it's not like one of my favorite Argento films. It kind of drones the first half. This is one of those films where the, the first half, not a lot really happens. And there's a lot of kind of like what the fuck moments. There's a lot of flashbacks. Um, there's like a scene of a, of a, of a woman like with red pumps on like red heels and, and she's like stomping on this guy. And I don't know if I was too drunk or if I just wasn't paying attention or something, but I don't really know what that was about. So if anyone could tell me, that'd be great. Uh, John Saxon. <laughs> John Saxon is in this movie. Do you, do you know who John Saxon is? Of course I know John Saxon. It's Hell uh, yeah. fucking Nancy's dad. I mean, come on. I mean, he's also yes. in a bunch of other films. So he's always plays the cops. So, yeah. Exactly. No, John Saxon is up in this bitch, right? And shockingly, he does not betray a douchey cop. He plays a douchey agent. 
Now, oh my goodness, someone douchey. <laughs> I know. And it's so funny because if you watch any film that John Saxon is in, he's either like martial art fighting Bruce Lee or he is an asshole cop. Now, asshole cop, if you've seen Black Christmas, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare Beach, etc., he's an asshole cop. But he's almost – he's very lovable for some reason. So anytime I see John Saxon in a movie, it just kind of boosts its kind of morale. You know, it gives it a little spice, gives it a little – uh Sax, if you will. Mm, my goodness. John Sa- Saxon. Yeah, I mean that's the sax sax for the Saxon. Do we have a round of <laughs> do we do we have a round of applause noise? Uh, we we don't we don't. See, yeah, I'm I'm failing big time on these. <laughs> I, I got I got always go together, man. Jeez, I'm failing big time. No, you're good, but, brother. You're good. Um, so no, I'll do like this. There we go. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um. <laughs> Now, I always thought that Tenebrae was honestly one of Argento's least stylistic films, obviously, because you imagine – I'm not going to start naming movies because I'm looking at my list right now, and I know if I compare it to another one, then that will give away my uh, my little spice and sugar. But it just kind of lacks the colors, and it lacks the supernatural aspect. It's just kind of a guy going after some people. But Lord have mercy, man, the kills in this one are great. It, and I mean that's kind of without mentioning, honestly – if you've seen an Argento film, that's kind of what you're expecting get, to get into. Now, uh, Dario Argento is known for many things, and stylish, gruesome deaths are definitely one of them. So this one is your thing if you like those. Now, that's that's pretty much all I got to say about that one, actually. Uh, Tenebrae, it, it's probably one of his most highly touted ones. It's kind of more mature in, in ways than some of his other films, but number five in my list. Not too bad, man. Not too bad at all. Uh, like you. I said, I have, I have not seen that one before, but like, it, it just, I'll just be honest with you guys. Argento is not one of my strong suits. Um, yes, I had to fight him to uh, to do this episode. I actually had yeah. to fist fight him. Yeah, well, he, he beat me down pretty good too. And you know, it was, I'm an old man, so it was pretty much easy to beat me down. But you know, but I bought him a couple good. pudding cups afterwards, so it, it all's yeah. well in love and war. That helped. You know, I ate one and then smeared the other one all over my body and made myself feel better. So, yeah, it worked out pretty well. So. <laughs> start, like, just rubbing it on your <laughs> tummy. Just start smacking it. Just... Yeah, I was like, yeah, just make it, make it happen, man. Yeah. Come on. Uh, <laughs> I, want you, I, I loved want you to it and I hated it at the same time. I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going on here, but I'm kind of intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, being old has its advantages, you know. I can kind of do whatever the fuck I want. People are like, oh, he's just old. Don't worry about him. He'll be all right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um all right, well, so my number five film, uh, and I, I feel bad because like I didn't watch a ton of films because these, you know, I had a lot going on too. So I, I just kind of picked, like, I picked six films to watch. So I have one kind of in the wings that I'll talk about later on. But these movies are, like, I don't want to say I don't like them, but like the this is more of like the least hated to like most hated, I guess. Or, yeah, yeah. About, so, but anyway, that so let's put that to the side for a minute. Um, I did enjoy these films for a few things that they brought to the table. The, you know, the kills, the, the colors, the and some of the practical effects were pretty cool. So, like I said, I don't hate. I, I hate's a really strong word. I just don't like them a lot. Let's put it that way. Yeah, um, fair enough. But number, yeah. So, uh, number five on my list is Deep Red. Um, this one was a very interesting film to me. Uh, it kind of like it has a lot, it had a lot of humor in it, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, had like a little a little team of you know uh, this man and woman are kind of trying to figure all this shit out and everything. Of course, there's like a psychic uh, at the first that's actually in the transition, and 
I think I think her death is pretty cool, actually, the way they, they kind of allude to that. Um, but like, I don't know, the whole film seems it's very dated. Uh, a lot of sexist comments. And it's almost like a little struggle throughout the entire thing of of uh, the guy thinks he's much better than the woman. They actually uh, they actually arm wrestle in the film. Oh point. yeah, I forgot. About yeah, that. it's very strange. So it's just it's. But anyway, that's barring that. It was really cool because it was like a whodunit trying to figure out who's who was the killer or anything. Um, there was a, another cool scene in it, the death, that was very reminiscent of Halloween Part Two. The scene where Michael Myers uh, drowns the girl in the bathtub and scalds her. You know. Yes. Um, yes. Uh huh. Yes, that happens in this movie as well. There's a bathtub scene where the guy puts the lady's head into the bathtub and scalds her to death or anything. Or actually, I don't think she dies because of that, but she gets scalded really bad and eventually dies. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting film. It's, um, kind of reminiscent of, uh, I want to say Edgar Allan Poe book, like a story maybe, um, cause of the way it's kind of laid out. But like I said, this one was really not my favorite of all of them. Cause it just, it was real slow. Uh, had a lot of, lot of like between parts where just kind of like talking and not really anything going on. And, um, but you know, it's an Argento film, so you kind of have to go with it and kind of let things roll and see what else develops throughout the film. But, um, I don't know, just like I said, this is one of those films where I was just like, I, I saw the trailer for it. And I was like, well, it looks pretty good. And of course they took all the good parts and just stuffed it in the trailer. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what they do. You know, yeah. So I was like, well, damn it. So obviously all the good parts already. But anyway, like I said, there was, it was a few extra parts. Like there was a kill scene where, uh, guys from the street and look up and this girl's like, I guess it was psychic. She was getting smashed through the window, uh, which was, it was, it was a very kind of like a cheesy death scene, but also kind of cool the way it was like film kind of like far away from the window. So I don't know. It was just, had some really cool scenes in it, but overall the film wasn't fantastic, but I mean, you may have this later on. I'm not sure if you have anything else to say about it, but um, yeah, just kind of, maybe. I mean, a, lot, a lot of POV shots, like you said, you know, kind of sets up, you know, a lot of the stuff we see later on. So it was one of those films I, I think had to, had to be made. So, you know, I thought that'd be kind of it, you know, for that one. So, um, I'm trying to think of anything else I wanted to add. Um, but yeah, I guess the who done it part was actually pretty cool because I really couldn't figure out who's doing it. So, um, the entire time. So I guess that was pretty cool, but, um, yeah, it was, yeah. It was a really so like a good mystery. <laughs> you didn't know who it was until like the last five minutes or so yeah yeah and it was i took me i was like i had no idea seriously i had no clue so if anything if you like a good whodunit that was actually a pretty de- decent film for whodunit so uh like i said it does drag on but if you can get through those parts then it's actually not that bad so yes yes now i've got some things to say about this movie but uh why don't you go ahead and uh play number four music and then uh, maybe i could talk about it all right well sounds good man let's get into it Number four. Hell is behind that door. They call us! You have killed. And you will kill again. Tell this, the real story. I want to tell the real story of my films, my, my story, my, my life. My... All right, so no real big surprise here. I've got Deep Red. Um, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yes, it just works out well this way. Now, this one, it is definitely slower. It's a little over two hours, and so this is 
absolutely one of Argento's longest films, so that can be a detractor, absolutely. It definitely does drag. The thing that I loved about this film was the hints of humor that you mentioned. It's just, not a lot of his movies have that, so it was kind of a nice breakup, especially like all the scenes in the car, the like broken down car. I, I thought it was pretty funny. Now, mm. something that's interesting that I've noticed too, you mentioned, again, something else you mentioned was like the scene where the woman's crashing through the window at the beginning. I'm almost pretty mm. sure someone dies and crashes through a window in every single one of his films. I, I, I think you're right. you're right. And I don't really understand, you know, is he just copying off himself? Uh, one could almost say that he does not have a single shard of dignity. <laughs> oh my goodness. What about... <laughs> well, that sounded better wow. in my head, but let's move on. Now, <laughs> obviously this film was released in 1975. So it's kind of one of his, uh, earlier films, obviously five years removed from his first one, released in 1970. Now, with it being one of his first films, you would imagine it to kind of be a little tamer. I, the thing that I loved was that the kills were probably about the most brutal you'll see in his entire film, filmography. Now, you see, obviously, the scene that you mentioned with uh, the drowning and the scolding hot water that, like, someone gets a knife through, like, the back of their neck and... Again, I mean, this is 1970s Italian cinema, so you're not going to get Tom Savini-style kills and gore, you know? It's going to be a little off, but it's just kind of the charm to me. Uh, Like I said, honestly, I can can see why people love and hate this genre, but um, yeah, man, it's just, this one is a little longer, so that's definitely not a lot of people's thing, especially when you're dealing with kind of the subject matter of these movies. Um, score and locations for this one are a lot of fun. It was filmed in a, in a city of Italy called Turin, and it makes for some beautiful scenes and memorable ones as well. There's a lot of scenes from this uh, film that I actually remember, and uh, your boy forgets a lot. So if, if a movie, <laughs> if I can actually like remember a movie about a week after I watch it, then by God, you got call it. the fire department because I'm on fire with that, you know? Damn. So. <laughs> But yeah, uh, oh my god, the puppet scene in this film too. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. That scene is actually pretty fucking creepy, dude. Like, mm-hmm. it predates yes. Billy on the tricycle. It's yes. for anyone that hasn't seen this film. Uh, the guy's hearing things. You know, it's like, oh shit, the killer's here, and all of a sudden, this door opens, and this puppet, like on a tricycle or a bicycle, is just like shaking and and. and going after this guy and he knocks it down and he like breaks part of its head off with a bat and it's just shaking yeah. and convulsing on the ground. I'm like, Oh Lord, that was actually pretty creepy. So that was oh, cool. very creepy. Yeah. Well, it was cool because like these, it was like a distraction too, because even when the guy is all freaked out and the guy comes out of like, you know, through the window and gets him. So exactly. Exactly. It was a good yeah. red herring. Um, yes. Now what's a couple of interesting facts about this film is the actor. Okay. Not actor, I guess. Uh, the character Carlo in this film, he, he it's a gay man. He, there's a scene where he's with a man. Now, for some reason, the man is played by a woman and hmm. like, she's a woman in real life. Right. But. So I don't, I don't know if that made sense. I didn't know if it was supposed to be like a, a transgendered character, but yeah, the, the role is played by a, an Italian actress named Geraldine Hooper. And hmm. she plays a man. But that's the whole thing is like, that's how people find out that this character is gay is because he's with this man, but played by a woman. I don't know. Um, and it, for some fucking reason, I, a lot of Italian movies do this too. They'll change their names a lot 
Um, this film was released in 1975. Suspiria was released in 1977, obviously two years later. Deep Red was re-released as Suspiria 2 after the kind of Suspiria boom and how successful that movie was. It was released hmm. as Suspiria 2 in Japan, despite having no connections whatsoever. Yeah, I must say there's no connection. There's nothing in there connected together whatsoever. Nope. At all. <laughs> Not at all. Huh. Yeah, so uh, that's that's Deep Red for you. This film was actually a lot higher on my list for a, a while, for several years now. And then I, of course, watched about 10 or so of his films to get to prep for this episode. And and it, uh, like you mentioned, it's just a few droning moments, definitely. Um, but other than that, I, I enjoy it. I love it. You can definitely see the um, – Kind of the je ne sais quoi, the the style that the slashers would pick up on about five or six years after this came out. Right, right. About six years, it kind of lays groundwork for all that stuff that comes after it. So, yeah, like I said, it's one of those films that just had to be made. But um, I'm glad that you find it interesting, though, that you like it. Because, like I said, it's just not – I don't know, man. And all these films kind of give me like this like a weird feeling in my stomach like i'm like i don't know this doesn't really drive with me but at the same point i could i could definitely see why these films are so you know loved by people because they are very artsy and you know a lot of cool visuals and all that type. so i understand i just it just doesn't go well with my taste but anyway that's neither here here nor there so um okay so my number four pick uh is inferno Ooh. Yes, I have a feeling this is going to be higher on your list, uh, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll um, and, and I put it at number four, and <laughs> it sure shows my age. Um, I'm, I'm having a problem remembering this film. I was the exact same way. Like, I don't know yeah. what it is, man. It's crazy. I, I'm, like, and here's the funny thing is I brought a whole bunch of notes, and these notes are making – like I'm, I'm trying to think of what I saw, and I'm like, I don't understand what I'm talking about in these notes at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I went, I went to the like, IMDb. I'm looking through the pictures going, okay. Like, I remember a little bit now, like it, it takes place in a hotel. And, and, of course, this, this is like – this ties into the whole mother of tears thing, which I don't really understand that whole mother of tears thing. <laughs> I don't, yeah, don't. It's, like, it's, it's like this whole trilogy thing. I know Fulci did yeah. it with, I don't remember what his was. I think it was gates of hell trilogy where it's like, they kind of say that three films are within a, the same world, but like extremely right. loosely that they almost don't really need to be in the same world. And it's just a way to get people to watch the other films. If you like one of them. So say you love Inferno, but you've never seen Suspiria or I believe mother of tears from 2007, for some reason is bundled into that trilogy. Then you'll be more likely to watch the other ones. Right. Right. Cause they even referenced the, the book, you know, the three mothers, you know, talking about, you know, and I guess it's all trying to figure out, you know, I guess it's where the, the mother is. Like she, there's, there's like a hint to all of it is buried somewhere in that hotel or whatever. So a, a lot of the movie has to deal with a lot of things going on in the hotel. There's a, you know, a lady that's living there and she, and like I said, I'm a really a big problem trying to figure out how this fits together, but um, a lot of cool kills in this one. Um, uh, the, the guy, the dude, and it is really kind of like, he's way seventies. Like he's way, like, <laughs> way seventies. Yeah, like his hair and the way he's driving. Like, dude, you're in the wrong deck. And when this made, when was this made again? It was eighty. So, so I guess he's coming out of the seventies. I guess that makes sense. Coming out of the seventies, I guess makes sense. But yeah, he was like dead center, like seventy five. Like, like, dude, you're like five years too late. But <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and it's like this has a lot to do with like witchcraft, of course, with the you know, the Tear stuff. You know, has to, it ties in with Suspiria and with um, what was the, I'm trying to what the third what the third Mother of Tears film is. They actually have he has a Inferno. film from 2007 called Mother of Tears, and that's supposed to be like that's, the ending of the trilogy. The, gotcha. Okay, so yeah, so it's, it's 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 kind of cool. Like you know, it's very meta because it's talking about itself inside the film, and it's kind of like. Like you said, bringing these three films together in a certain sort of way, which is kind of cool. Um, the, the first scene where the, where the chick goes down and like drops her keys through the hole. Oh my god! And man. dude, that scene takes forever. Like it I'm does. like, damn. And she can't find that. She can't grab the keys. Like okay, so like she goes on there, she drops her keys in this hole, and she starts racing to get everything. Well, she drops them even farther, and she just she takes her shoes off and just dives into this watery hole. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You don't just dive into a watery hole in the bottom of a building. What the? I mean, who raised you? Fucking well, sometimes or, you just need your keys, you bitch. Know? Well, I know, but like, I mean, anything. Well, of course, she finds what's down there. There's a fucking dead body in there, but like, still, I'm like. <laughs> It's, it's almost like sticking your arm in the hole in haunt, you know? Like, hey, let's just yeah. stick your arm into it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Fucking weirdo, man. Fucking weird. And, like, I think that was this the movie? Yeah. There's a lady in a car that keeps driving by, and they just show her, and, like, they don't really do much with her at all. I don't understand what that's about either. Yeah, um, there's a lot of things about these movies that, in terms of kind of the writing of them, doesn't really translate a, a lot of the time. There's a lot of things happening, and you're not really sure why, and yeah. sometimes they're just not explained, but... Again, for anybody listening, if they could explain that, I'm sure. I'm sure, knowing us and our pea brains, we just can't remember anything. I'm sure. I'm sure there's an explanation. There's, well, I mean, I tried to. Make, I tried to, you know, look for it later on, and just I, maybe I was just fell asleep or eat my pudding cup or something. Couldn't pay attention. I don't know. Um, but but, I th- but like I said, this movie is pretty decent for the fact that it does have a lot of uh, uh, different things that kind of. It make you think, you know, kind of like another whodunit type thing, you know, and trying to make, you know, get you to figure out what's going on. Uh, the kill sequences are really cool in them, in this film. Um, of course, the very end scene where when the guy f- finds the, the the mother and she fucking turns into this big, I won't give it too much away. It turns into a big something and uh, shit ensues. So let's put it that way. Um, so if you haven't seen this film, though, definitely check this one out because it's like, it's, it's good. Like I said, I'm having a problem bring it back to my memory and I know people are going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? You're running a podcast. You can't remember your own shit. And <laughs> it's a struggle send, all your, send all your hate mail to Kevin. At, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but like I said, it was, it was actually a good film. I do. Cause I, at the time I watched it, I really did kind of enjoy it. So not now, really. I just have a question for you. Um, how many of these films did you like watch actually before uh, deciding to watch his films for the podcast? How many of these did you see in the wild? I had seen the first ten minutes of Suspiria twice, and that's it. Oh damn! Really? That's it. Oh, okay, so, so it's it's yeah, nice it's, and new to you. I mean, like I said, it's so new. Like if I'd seen this film a few times, I probably would have been a little better, you know, at talking about it. But it's just one of those. Like I'm sure you'll talk about this later on and give it more of a a good walking through and you know what's going on and everything. But uh, yeah. Like I said, this is one of those films, one of these directors that I'm not really familiar with, so I'm kind of leaving this in your in your wheelhouse to kind of just fucking run with it. So, um, but like I said, it, it let's put it this way: Dario is really good at practical effects. He's really good at you know the whodunit. He's really good at the uh, you know setting up stuff for later on and later you know other films you know that would come later like Halloween and stuff like that. So that's those are his strong points, and these all show through in these films, and it really shows through in Inferno. So. 
Definitely. There you go. I, that was something that kind of pulled it all together at the end. So I saved myself. Yay. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, um, I have, I guess I have a feeling you'll be talking about this later on. So I'll just roll on to number three and we'll see what, uh, what comes about. You ready? Yes, sir. Oh, I'm Ben Born ready. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Number three. Number three. Hell is behind that door. Hmm? They go You have killed, and you will kill again. Now the, the real story. I want to tell the real story of my films, my, my story, my, my life. My... Ooh, that classic Goblin score gets me every time. That's, that's something oh. I want to mention too, man, is literally just whether it's Suspiria or Phenomena or any, honestly, Inferno, any of his films. It's just that that classic just noise, man, that background. It, if Unless you're a serious kind of fan of watching films or a serious horror movie fan, you're not really going to understand the importance that that stuff has on films. You know, it really creates tension. It creates mood. It creates atmosphere. Um, it creates sexual tension sometimes, um, yeah, if you will. Me, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right, no, <laughs> number three. Uh, do you have any guess what my number three might be? Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm going to guess... I'm going to guess Suspiria. No. Oh, darn. <laughs> so okay. what I've got is I've got Opera. Opera, okay. All right, cool. Very, yes. good. Very good. Now, this film released in 1987, one of, honestly, his later good films. Now, just just bear with me. This movie has crows galore. Now, if you don't enjoy the sounds of crows squeaking, then steer clear. However, if you can get past that, this film is actually a pretty artful giallo movie with excellent kills, man. The kills are really something to behold in this one. And just speaking of the crows, there was actually 140 crows that were used during filming. Damn. Can you guess how many they actually retrieved? I'm going to guess like 30. <laughs> they got 60. So, yeah, they oh, another wow. eight. 80 other crows got through the ceiling because they didn't think that they thought the ceiling was closed off, but all these fucking crows just found their way out of the ceiling. They're like, freedom. Fuck this shit, I'm out of here. (laughs) Exactly. Now, opera is full of more artistic spirit than Mark Rothko, excuse me. Um, if, If anybody's familiar with Mark Rothko, if you aren't, look him up right now. Holy fucking shit. This dude sells his artwork for millions of dollars and it's literally like squares. So, it's just this movie most of it honestly kind of has opera playing in the background so and there's a lot of operatic themed moments so if that's not your thing then i don't know because the first time i watched this film i was definitely not into it it was just very i don't i don't care about opera man i'm not Macbeth, you know that's just not my thing so uh so but well, I've watched it a couple times since then and on my most recent watch i was like holy shit man i really like this movie because it's very it feels kind of more like an American slasher than any of his other films. So if mm-hmm. you're looking for kind of that movie to bridge between 80s slasher movies and 80s giallo films, I would definitely say start with opera. Um, and it's funny. I mentioned how Dario Argento said that the lead actor of uh, what the fuck movie was that? My number five Tenebrae, how he was yep. the most difficult person he's worked with, uh, most difficult male actor he's worked with. He stated that actress Christina Marsalak, who played Betty, who's the main character who gets like the needles like on her eyeballs, 
She was the worst actress he's ever had to work with. Apparently, she's just a a big CNX Tuesday. I don't know, but yeah. So uh, kills uh, they're especially brutal, brutal, which is nothing new. Again, we've been mentioning this the whole entire time. Uh, but he's just very good at delivering what he's known for, and he delivers it better than the United States Postal Service. So oh, yeah. there you go. That was seamless, wasn't it? Did you like that? No. That was not ideal. That was, was a little hard now. So there you go. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's all I really got to say about this one. Again, it's just literally more of the same. If you if you like this shit, you'll like it. If you don't like this shit, you won't like it. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it, I got to say. There's one last little factoid, I guess. There's a character in the film called Danielle Suave. Now, mm-hmm. the last name Suave might be mean something to maybe one of the listeners, two of the listeners. He's a, he's a director, an Italian director. He's directed films The Church, The Sect. Uh, he also directed a 1987 slasher film called Stage Fright. Now, hmm. that's a slasher movie based around an operatic theme that was released the exact same year as this one. Now, there's differing opinions on which one came first, but they're very, very similar. So, uh, yeah, the character Daniel Suave was named after Michelle Suave, who directed those films. So, a little interesting, I, was, I guess. I thought it was like after Rico Suave, maybe. So, I don't know. Oh, no, I've got Rico Suave in the other room. Oh, damn. Yeah, we can right. ask him if you want. Like, hey, was that you? Yeah, yeah bring him in here. We'll, we'll figure it out. Well, actually, we'll do it later. Would we'll, 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 we'll there be a Patreon episode right there? Were you, delecting, do you, were you directing Italian horror movies in the 1980s? Rico <laughs> Suave. Go He's going to be like, <laughs> like, no, senor. <laughs> like, <what> the- <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Uh, well, any, anything else to add? Um, Just... If you didn't like this one on the first watch, definitely check it out because I was not into it. And the more times I give it a watch, it's just kind of like the penultimate Italian-American kind of mashup. It's got a great feel of both worlds. Gotcha. Gotcha. Could have said it better myself. Um, Okay, so I I guess Suspiria was your number three. Well, Suspiria is my number three. Oh, that's why you said it, huh? I was going to see if we were going to coincide, but it's okay. It's all right. No big deal. Um. As I stated earlier, I've tried to watch this film twice before, and I just didn't get through it. Yeah. I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it was about it. I don't. But okay, this third time, you know, it's very cliche, but third time was the charm because I actually got through it. Actually, got to enjoyed it. Um, really? Like you said, yes, yes, I did. It's one of those films that I think I just had in my mind. It was something because you know everyone talks about it all the time. You know, oh, great it is. I'm like, okay, oh, this is. I'm excited about this. You know, I want to see this, and it was just like. This is what I, you know, because like, the, okay, the scene, the scene that got me, that stopped me twice was the one with the the eyes outside of the window. Yeah. And then like, it's just, that whole scene was just, so, it was, it was so cheesy. Like it was like bad cheesy at first. I was like, okay, I can't do this. But going into it again, open mind, you know, ready to just receive what Argento had for me. I was like, right, I just got to just get in here and just, you know, watch it and try to figure out the parts I really enjoy. And I, I, it, that scene really, what third time's a charm, it really kind of made sense and was kind of, you know, it has like a, it kind of leads you into some other stuff too. So I was like, all right, I can deal with it now. Um, a lot of stuff in this movie uh, gets me, like the the practical effects, like the the stabbing scenes and, you know, just the, the colors and uh, the witchcraft stuff also. It, it's very subtle. Uh, I've seen this Asperi remake, which I really enjoyed. The witchcraft in that one is much more prominent. This on this movie, it's very kind of underlying. You, you know, it's there. You can definitely see it, but it's not as in your face as the remake. I think so, which is kind of cool. I thought, um, 
this time around. Um, I think it's cool how you see people crossing the, or not crossing, but like, I, I guess not meshing well with the leaders of this, you know, ballet studio or ballet what, 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 uh, company, I guess you call it, and how they meet their demise because of, you know, giving them shit. So it's like, you know, it's, it, the whole thing is, you know, we don't fuck with us or you're going to fucking kill you. So, um, you know, and that's, you know, bitches will have their way. So <laughs> um, I, I think the use of the colors definitely tells the story uh, in a very interesting way. Uh, people just say the colors in his movies are very good, which they are, but I think this, especially in this movie, they help to tell the story a little better. You I would agree. Watch the color. Yeah, the, the colors kind of tell what's going on or what's about to happen. I think it's pretty neat. It's pretty interesting too. Um, the scene where the guy's in the square with the dog, that totally caught me by surprise. I was like, holy shit, I did not see that coming whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I won't, I won't ruin that for anybody who hasn't seen it before. Uh, but very interesting. Um, the music in this is very good. Um, the one, the one scene that really almost pulled me out of it, it I was, it was toward the end. It was a scene where she goes through the door and she sees like the head witches in the room. They're all talking. And like the head witch is, is trying to explain that they need to get this American out of there. Like the, the acting is so bad. Like it's, I can't, a, a dog could have been sitting there and done a better job than her. I was like, I don't, I was like, wow, your acting is the worst thing I've ever seen. I will just, I want to gouge my eyes out and eat him for breakfast. I don't know Ooh, how else I can say that. I'm telling you, I man, it was just, I was like, this is okay. I almost stopped. It. I was like, all right, I'm, but I was like, okay, I'll keep going. Luckily I didn't because the ending was pretty cool. So yeah. Um, yeah. That little, that little boy, the nephew uh, reminds me a lot of Damien from uh, the Omen. Oh yeah. So, I could see that. I didn't think of it. Definitely, yeah, it was definitely a, an interesting little. Uh, I'm not sure this came out. This came out before or after? It was '77. When, uh, when did the Omen come out? It was early '70s, right? Which film? Uh, the Omen, the original The Omen. I think it was '74, '75, maybe. You must say so. It must have been like a little homage to that, which is, I think is kind of cool. So yeah. Um, so but yeah, like I said, this time around was definitely more enjoyable. I do. I totally get it. I totally understand why people love this film in particular. Because of just the way that it's filmed, the way that the, you know, of course, the famous hanging scene, you know, that's everyone talks about that and shows that and and references that. So, um, but it's very haunting too. This film is very haunting and it has like a really deep feel to it. It kind of sucks you in and and really, you know, like, like the, in the transition, you know, you know, the lady talking about the door, it just, that's, it's, that's, this sounds so cool to me. So anyway, definitely. Um, but I know you'll have some more to say about this later on, so I'll shut my mouth and uh, eat my pudding cup. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, wow, we're already to number two. So, uh, and I honestly have no idea what your top two is going to be. So, uh, I mean, I think I do, but mm-hmm. I guess we'll have to wait and see. We shall see. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Number two. Number two. Hell is behind that door. Mm-hmm. They call us. have killed and you will kill again now this the real story i want to tell the real story of my films my my story my my life my all right number two number two number two number two now this one was kind of a no-brainer these first two films on my list, uh, honestly, kind of swip swapped a little bit. For a long time, it was the other way around, and then once Brass Tacks hit the road, I was like, I can't, 
I this is how it has to be. Uh, I've got phenomena right here. Okay, gotcha. So, phenomena, <clears throat> a fucking great movie, man. So good. It's, it's kind of not really like any of his other films. It's this one's very kind of mind driven. What is that called? Like when people use their like mind horror, um, psychological. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of psychological aspects to this one that's not really in a lot of Argento's other stuff. Um, so, and it's funny, I, I like to say that the uh, chimpanzees are in this film. You have insects and you have Jennifer Connelly. Now, some call that the Holly trifecta. Uh, you know, that's <laughs> wow. all you ever need is chimpanzees, insects, and Jennifer Connelly. Am I right? Um, young, 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 young Jennifer Connelly. Yes, yes. She's probably like 14 in this movie, 16. Yes. Which mm-hmm. I've got some fun facts about her in this film uh, in a little bit after I kind of give my synopsis and everything. Now this one's just pretty much about a killer on the loose near a woman or a girl's school, I guess. And it's up to a girl, her bugs and her big ass monkey to stop them. Now this monkey's a fucking asshole. Okay. So you watch the movie and you're like, Oh, that's a sweet monkey. It's a chimpanzee. So it's pretty big size. This thing actually bit a part of Jennifer Connelly's finger off when they were filming. What? Yes. In the last, the last scene, um, uh, spoiler alert, I guess, she's with the monkey and she like has her arm around it and the monk, they didn't want to shoot them, them from the back. So they wanted them to kind of turn and look at the camera or whatever. So she kind of like has her arm around the monkey and then like, kind of like just trying to turn it by the shoulder. And the monkey wasn't about that. And it, and it said, no Karen and literally bit part of her finger off and she had to be rushed to the hospital to get it reattached. So oh my God. yeah, yeah, it's insane. Um, but other than that, you know, this movie's golden. I, I love this one so much. I I think that this is one of his better looking films in terms of kind of the quality. It looks, it just looks better. You know, a lot of these Italian films, man, they just, they kind of look cheap. Uh, this one looks very professional. looks very well done. looks clean and crisp, especially um, I watched on the Aero Video Blu-ray. So obviously the restoration did it did it pretty good the atmosphere is awesome it's ethereal effects are great kills are fantastic obviously you know with argento holy shit bruckner's child in this film have have you seen this one because if you have then you know about this character i okay i'll just come right out i i started watching it and i honestly couldn't get through it oh no yeah i know i know i know i know now this is one that i would oh scared me (laughs) This is one that I would definitely recommend to anybody because, oh man, I really wish you would have sat through it a little bit, man. Um, Donald Pleasance is in this too. Yes, he is. Well, he plays a Scottish person, which yeah, is kind of strange. Yeah, he's got a kind of weird accent and he's in a wheelchair, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. You see some action shots of him on a wheelchair lift on his stairs, which is pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, if you, were, if you were ever thinking, I would love to see Donald Pleasance in a wheelchair going upstairs on a wheelchair lift, then by golly, you know, look no further. Uh, now, okay, so this is – I don't want to mention this almost because it, it's pretty much kind of spoiling the whole movie, but there's a villain and she has a child and there's something wrong with the child and – the first time I saw this kid, I almost threw up more than Reagan did in The Exorcist. Damn. Like, it's something out of your nightmares. It, it's, it's pretty fucking scary, dude. Even if, if if you just have to watch the last 20 minutes of this movie, I highly recommend it because it is a buildup and it is just out of this world once it hits it. But yeah, this is my second favorite film by Argento. Um, Obviously, I recommend checking it out. If you don't, Bruckner's Child will come and get you. Uh, just kidding, but seriously, check it out. It's a good time. 
I will, I will give it a second watch. Like I said, it just, it was one of those. I just, I'm not big on like chimpanzees or monkeys in films. So that kind of turned me off to begin with. And it just, there were some parts that just made no sense to me. Like her sleepwalking through town. Yeah. I, I don't know. That was very strange. I just, I just, it took me out of it. Honestly, it was like this is spirit thing. Like it just, something took me out of it and I just couldn't get into it. It was like, Oh fuck it. I'll just stop. But I will, I, for you, for you, I will definitely watch it again. I will sit through it and I will make it through it. I'll let you know. Oh, I like it second time around. So. Awesome. Yeah, and I've got a couple more facts to kind of entice you to uh, check it out. Oh, so, please do. I mean, this one's not really anything too exciting, but the Italian theatrical version of this film is 116 minutes. Now, if you know your minutes, 120 makes two hours. So this is an hour and 56 minutes long. There's a 110-minute cut of the film that was kind of for the American crowd. I don't know the six minutes they cut out. Um, might have been some sleepwalking scenes or something, and that cut of the film is named Creepers. So, if you've heard of a film named Creepers but not Phenomena, um, it's the same goddamn thing. So, there you are. Um, there you go. Bruckner's Child. Again, another little fact I have about it. Argento saw this syndrome. It's called Patau Syndrome. Now, this is he saw like re- this is a real syndrome, and this is kind of what he kind of made the kid look like. So me kind of saying that I wanted to throw up when I saw him kind of makes me end up looking like a dick. But I looked it up. I looked up pictures of the kid, and it doesn't really look very similar to what Bruckner's child looks like in this film. I keep naming it Bruckner's child because it literally does not have a name. Dario Argento unofficially named him Patau after the syndrome which inflicts him. So Patau syndrome is pretty much a chromosomal abnormality. So um, some real shit. And again, I just mentioned the Italian director... De, uh, fuck, what's his name? Daniel Suave? Yeah. Or Michelle Suave, excuse me. Um, He makes a cameo at the beginning of this movie. Uh, So mm. him and Argento are pretty close. They give each other a lot of nods in their films. So that's yep. pretty interesting. I've I've got this one rated 8 out of 10. I, I love this one. I, I really nice. do. But so, yeah, I mean, like, like the very first scene is – wait, it, okay. Let me back up a second. The, the way that Argento leads you into a film – it just he just like throws you in like there's oh, yeah. no like lead up because like there's like the scene where there's like a bus and then they like like leave and leave this person behind and then she got like goes to try to find help and then she ends up in this house with this whatever this person is killing it it was just it just he's, anyway they close you in there but that first scene was actually pretty cool I was actually kind of like all right this is kind of cool and then it just fell off the rails so yeah anyway but I, I will definitely give it another another chance so um, all right. Well, I guess I'll move into my number two film. And my number two film is Opera. Hmm. And I really, really enjoyed this film uh, more than I thought I would, actually. Um, the stuff you brought up before, I echo everything you said before. Uh, I like the fact that it is, it is you know, like a slasher film. And it's cool, the fact of, you know, it's, it's almost like the, the killer likes to fuck with, you know, the main girl. You know, it's like he's really fucking with her the entire time. And, and, you know, he's putting those needles on her eyes, which, oh, my God, that's that gets me every fucking time. Um, and I don't know, just it, it, there, there's little there's a few downtimes, but it doesn't really matter to me on those because it's, it's it actually is building up to something else, which I thought was pretty cool. So um, he does that a lot, though. He likes to elongate, you know, scenes for no reason. Uh, but this one didn't do it too bad. Like there was a few things that were kind of, you know, drawn up. Like I said, it leads to something else. So I was like, all right, I'll deal with that. Um 
you, you know, it, the, the, the crow scene when it was flying around the, the opera at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, that, that scene kind of took me out of it a little bit. It was really cheesy. Like you could tell, like they were just, you know, swooping a camera through, you know, the, the audience, you know, so <laughs> people, you know, it was just kind of cheesy, but like, I'll, you know, I'll roll with it, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, the, the kills in this one are phenomenal. I fucking love the kills. They're just, they're brutal and well done. They look really good. Um, like I said, it's, it's all to fuck with her. And I love that fact is, you know, cause like, he wouldn't kill her. But he doesn't kill all these people around her. Um, the, uh, the scene in the, with the seamstress and the, I'm not sure what you call that. Like the, um, costume room, maybe where that's what it was. Wardrobe there's a whole room, bunch of, like, you know, yeah, well, yeah, there you go. There you go. I thought it was pretty cool. Cause like it was a little drawn out, but like, you know, he ties her up, you know, in that box, you know, and makes her watch as he like stalks this chick through that room. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one definitely, it definitely was uh, an enjoyable watch. If you like, you know, older slasher films that are kind of cheesy, but also have some, like some good kills and some good, you know, blood and all that stuff. And this is a really good one. And like I said, you kind of covered all this stuff before about it, but, um, but yeah, this is, this is an enjoyable one for me. I really did find it cool. I thought the ending was pretty cool. A little twist ending. Um, you know, I, I kind of saw it coming, but not really. Um, they, they set it up actually pretty, pretty decently. So, um, yeah, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out because it's really good. Um, uh, I wrote, I wrote in my notes here. I'm not sure why I wrote this down, but it says, uh, you're disgusting. You're all, oh yeah. It was the, was it the, uh, this, the, the kid talking about his mom. He's like, hey, you're disgusting. You're always naked. <laughs> Cause it was like the, it was like, you know, it was like the slutty mom that she, you know, she was crawling through the ducks, you know, she crawls out of the duck and everything. And oh yeah, 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 yeah. That cracked me up. It took me a second. Yeah. But <laughs> you're, you're disgusting. You're always naked. But that was really good. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I think we're to number one, my friend. I think um, we are. And I, I seriously have no idea. Well, okay, maybe, okay yeah. maybe I should say that. I have yeah. an idea of what it is. <laughs> yeah. I really do. And, I, and I, actually, I think we're going to share the number one. Mm. So I guess we'll find out. So, and I guess we kind of set up with that. We have little rules for the director series. Uh, knowing those rules we set up, I think I know what number one is. So let's just get into it and find out. Number one. Hell is behind that door. They go out. You have killed. And you will kill again. Well, the, the real story. I want to tell the real story of my films, my, my story, my, my life. My... So yeah, like like Wes mentioned, um, we've decided to kind of add a little rule. There's a lot of films that directors are involved with that don't have a directing credit. They could be a producer, they could be a writer. So we've just kind of, and there's a lot of movies to talk about that we want to talk about, even though they didn't direct. You know, we can still praise their directing and all that, but we we do we would like to include a producer credit. Um, on that note, my number one is Suspiria. <laughs> Yeah, are you serious? Really? Yep. yep uh huh. Yep. I oh, shit. Okay. love this movie. This is in the top thirty films of mine of all time. Now, I didn't watch this until later in life. It was just a couple years ago. I watched it for the first time, and interestingly enough, for some fucking reason, I heated up nacho cheese and I had rice cakes, and I was dipping the rice cakes in the nacho cheese, and it it, it, it wasn't nacho cheese. It was uh 
like queso, you know, like uh, queso, okay. queso yeah, like chips and queso. So I heated up this queso and I was dipping the rice cakes in it, and dude, it just tasted like a Cheeto. It's crazy. It was really fucking good, actually. And and I, so I don't know if that's maybe why I like this movie so much is because I literally remember eating that and watching this movie and just having a really good time. So the colors in oh yeah, you know that's not the first time I told that. <laughs> um, no. The colors are just. I I don't really know what to say about it. It's just so unique. There's just the bright pinks, the bright blues, and the mood and the Goblin score. This is this is top three score of all time in my opinion. Top three soundtracks. Goblin the band nailed it. Um, it's just like fuck, man. I don't even know really know what to say about this film. I mean, everything takes place at a ballet school, and like you mentioned, there's witchcraft, and it is subdued until the ending. Um, there's someone killing uh, these girls on campus, and a lot of like gross maggot scenes and bugs and stuff mm. and uh, and whatnot. And, but there's a serious, serious kind of tension rising throughout the film that I, I, I enjoy a lot. Um, and you don't really know what's going to happen. You don't know what it's about until the very end. Um, so, yeah, there's nothing really I can say about this film that hasn't really been mentioned. But uh, it's, it's worth noting, you know, like at the beginning, exactly how I just mentioned with the tension and everything – not everything is uh, what it seems. You know, strange things are afoot at the Circle K, I like to say. Now, the witchcraft, exceedingly amount of maggots, and huge-ass mammoth caretakers are amongst all the insane things you'll come across in this film. It's just... Oh, man, I love this one. And looking from the outside in, the cover, it doesn't look that exciting. The black cover with kind of the girl and the blood, and it it doesn't look enticing. It looks old, it looks outdated, but seriously i held it off for years because i didn't think it would be anything that special but i in my opinion this is argento's masterpiece um it's just so much fun things to go on you know obviously you know the kills are great i don't know if i mentioned that yet again someone is killed through a window right at the beginning um yeah top 40 in my that uh, horror films that i've ever seen it's just it's awesome. And, and I'll I'll end this out with just a couple of fun facts here. Um, This was Joan Bennett's final film. She played Madame Blanc, uh, mm. which is kind of crazy. She's just this huge, huge, huge kind of 40s and 50s actress. And so, yeah, this is her last film. Argento wanted the ballet school girls to be no older than 12 years old. Well, I guess it, there's a couple boys there, that, so it's not like a girls' school. But he wanted the kids to be 12 years old. And the crew actually was able to change his mind because they were like, that's kind of fucked up. Like, we don't want to kill 12-year-olds, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Uh, let's right. see here. Um, the cinematographer, Luciano Tavoli, who, I mean, his work in this film is goes without saying, but he was told by Argento to watch Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs from 1937, the animated Disney film, to kind of mm-hmm. produce a similar color for the film and kind of just that dreamy kind of thing. Um and then my favorite fact of all from this film, the role of Helena Marcos, who was the penultimate like villain at the very end, right. the lead witch. Right. She's uncredited. Now, actress Susie Bannon, or um, excuse me, Jessica Harper, who played Susie Bannon, she said that the reasoning behind that, why she went uncredited, was because the woman who played Marcos was a 90-year-old ex-hooker that Dario Argento found on the streets of Rome. So, wow. yeah, just – and that blows my mind, this penultimate horror character. It was just just someone just plucked up 
you know and yeah. so yeah. i i thought that that was pretty funny but so yeah obviously this one being my number one film i would highly 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 recommend anybody to check this out but i can see how it can't it, it's not everyone's thing but i love it yeah i i understand i totally agree with you like i said i see all these films you know they they have that feel to them and people like that feel and, and the way they look and all that stuff you know so i fully understand so very good very good um no it makes I sense think, why we mentioned the producer credit <laughs> explain <laughs> yes 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 um and i guess this is kind of fitting since i'm not really a argento fan that i would actually have his producer credit you know as my number one uh it's a film we very talked about in our demons episode and it just happens to be demons <laughs> so uh and it's funny because i've never i hadn't seen it when we did that demons episode so you know, I went and saw it, and I really loved it the first time I saw it. I saw it again. I've probably seen it six, seven times so far. Oh, it's so um, fun. Dude, it gets better every single time I see it. It's just great. Like, and it's cool because, like, with, on the scene, when, like, the very first, we're showing the, uh, the I guess, the train ride or the subway tri- uh, ride. They're showing music from Motley Crue, Billy Idol, Rick Springfield, Scorpions. I'm like, fuck yeah. Damn. I mean, you can't beat that. I mean, so, like, the entire film, the music is just fantastic. Um the story is very simple. Uh, it's almost like a, uh, you know, living dead type situation, but it's with demons instead. Um, they go to this, you know, people go to this uh, showing of this movie and it's talking about this mask that turns people into demons. Of course, the mask is there in the theater and the lady puts it on, nicks herself. She turns into a demon and then she just fucking sues. They just, it like spreads like wildfire. Um, a lot of great scenes in this film too. Just, um, you know, people fighting demons and people, you know, uh, turning into demons and like the, the transition shots um, are amazing and the practical effects are amazing and the story just rolls on like it doesn't stop. It's just a constant just, you know, different things happen. They follow different, you know, different people. There's a group of people that come uh, in a car and they end up in like they're the back of the theater and they kind of end up in the theater. And uh, it's just it's just a fantastic film I mean, from start to fucking finish. You can't even. Beat it. There's a lot of callbacks. There's a Suspiria callback from when the guy's hanging from the uh, the rafters. Looks like the girl hanging in Suspiria. Which oh is yeah, cool. I never thought of that. Yeah, so like you know, there's there's touch, touch, Argento is in this film. That's why I, I really wanted to make it number one because there are some things that are in his movies that kind of show through in this film too. So, uh, and it's I don't know, it's just really like the actors in this are hilarious. I think the uh, who was the guy? The uh, I wrote his name down in here. Uh, Tony. Tony's the like the pimp. <laughs> oh going. my god! Yeah, I love his voice. He's like, eh. and I was all rough and scruff everything, you know. But he, <laughs> he's hilarious. Um, but yeah, uh, this movie's brutal as hell. Um, some very iconic scenes with like the demons coming up with the light behind them up the stairs. As one that's actually in the, uh, I think it's on the cover. I think in the movie. And uh, but yeah, I, I think it's really hilarious too that like the I guess the daughter that took her blind father to the theater to watch a movie i'm like okay why would you go to a theater if you're blind i just i mean i mean, I'm, you know especially like i don't know i just it's just you kind of feel the words purpose, man but, yeah but, but like, you know, he was trying, he was trying to talk to her the entire time and she's off in the back you know uh you know talking about with some guy you know and he's like where are you at i can't find you but <laughs> that's what was hilarious but um but yeah it just this movie is just from start to finish is one of the best movies like from that era and just i love the fact that argento's fingerprints are all over it um because like i said i'm not really into his films but 
he does a great job with producing this film. So we threw the money at this one and they fucking nailed it. So um, I know you like this movie. So anything you want to add? I, I really, really do like this movie. Um, I had, a, I, I really did want to put this in my list. I did, but, and okay, hear me out. If, if I did have this on my list, it would be number three. Um, okay. Or, or maybe number two, but I don't know. I just, I really, uh, I really want to kind of celebrate like w- where they were able to make the film kind of their own film, you know, with, I got you. cause I didn't even think of like demons until you mentioned it the other day. Uh, mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh shit. Like that's going to be tough. Not putting that in because I do love that movie. It's a nonstop, just gore fest, just splattery. And it's just so much fun, man. It's just nonstop craziness the entire time. Yes, and totally. the the Metropole too the the building the theater where all that's going down I, that's one of my favorite horror locations of all time I think it's very menacing it's it's huge mm-hmm. it's very unique looking it's I love it I, I it's a I, character exactly it's a character in the film so yeah exactly it's perfect. so I I kind of had a qualm keeping this off my list because I did think it deserved to be talked about it deserved to be mentioned um but yeah I I knew that you would have it included somewhere because I know that you love this movie. So I'm glad we have it right next to number one that we can talk about it and and uh, give it its kind of its proper due. It's it's a really fucking good time, and it's one of those kind of films that are slept on. Not a lot of people oh, really yeah. know about it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm telling you right now, if if you haven't seen Demons and you like '80s horror films, it just screams '80s horror. It's so much fun. Oh, you got to give it a shot. It's so great, and it's cool. Okay, I'm about to spoiler something the ending here, but I just got to say it. So if you don't want to hear this ending, if you haven't seen it before, skip forward about 15 seconds, 20 seconds, because I'm going to ruin it. Um, the final girl, so to speak, doesn't survive. And I fucking yeah. love that. Yeah. I think that's fucking amazing. So that's one more thing I love about this film is that it throws a little wrench in, you know, in the, in the, the machine there. Um, but yeah, so I, like I said, we both said all we can about this movie and it's just fucking fantastic. So um, I didn't really have, any other movies to really talk about, uh, you know, like my honorable mentions. So if you have anything you want to add, any of the movies you want to talk about? Um, Inferno was not on my list. Uh, I know that when you were talking about it, you were expecting it to be, I, I don't know, man. I've watched this film two or three times now, and it's definitely one of those ones where I just, I can't get too into it. I love the colors. Obviously, you know, it keeps up with like kind of the Suspiria theme and, uh, but I don't. Every time I watch it, I just really lose interest. And I, I, to be fair, I did not rewatch it for this list. I probably should have, but I've watched it two or three times within the past year. So I've, I've a pretty. I was gonna say recent memory of it, but I can't remember a movie I watched fucking yesterday. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's so true. Oh, but yeah, no. It, I'm glad you included it on yours, you know, to add a little diversity and, and whatnot. Uh, our lists were pretty, pretty different. So that's always yeah. good. You know, we never want it to be too similar because then it, it seems like we're just kind of like agreeing with each other, you know, it's, and right. not that that's not fun, but it's always fun when you love a movie that I hate or vice versa, you know, it just adds a little, uh, little excitement. Yes, I fully agree. I can't say any better than that. So, um, all right, cool. Well, that wraps up our Dario Argento uh, episode. I like I said, this is was this wasn't what I was looking forward to, but actually I did like enjoy some of the films that he was you know he put out. So um, yeah, 
good on him. So <laughs> we're pulling me in. Um, got to watch Demons again, so I was exciting. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I've got to pick that up on uh, on VHS too. I have it on DVD. I got to pick it up on uh, VHS soon because I've it's hard to find. It's like 55, 60 bucks too. I'm like, Argh. damn. But, uh, I know a lot of a lot of stuff that I want to get is really expensive and it really sucks. Can someone just give that to me for free? I'd really appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I'll you know, hit me up in the DMs later. Um, anyway, there you go. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people out there love. You know, Giallo films, they love Argento. Um, I think we're going to cover a few more directors that are in that, you know, wheelhouse. So it uh, should be interesting. And oh, yeah. uh, I know you're you're excited about it. So Definitely, definitely. The, this Italian stuff is right up my alley. I do get a little burnt out. You know, watching a lot of these films is, at the same time, is can be a little much, you know. But I think that these are very, very good uh when watched sporadically and obviously not back to back to back, it can be a little much, but you know, I had a lot of, I had a lot of fun prepping for this episode and I know for the future directors we have planned as well, we're going to have fun. It's going to be a good time. Yes, I fully agree. Fully agree. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's do some shout outs here. Of course, got to shout out the, the patrons. Um, you guys are just keeping us going, paying our bills and fucking keeping this thing going. We're, Kind of get some some money built up to to you know get some improved stuff and do a few more things for you guys as well. We have some stuff planned finally, so I'm uh, gonna get that going. Uh, but again, thank you so so much for your support and uh, and also for you know buying our merch too. All the all the merch is flying off the shelves. We just released a new T-shirt um, just a little bit ago. So uh, masks, we're we're gonna get some more masks in pretty soon. Of course, hopefully by this time when this one comes out, the masks will be out and, and available. So uh, probably. We're really excited to see those fly off the shelf. I was really excited about that. So, um, but yeah, uh, I guess we'll just do some podcast shout outs too. Uh, and before I get into that too, I am thinking, or I'm trying to get together a, I guess, a podcast network uh, of our own. I know we're already a part of one, a part of a couple actually. Um, but I kind of want to get one of our own started and, uh, just to kind of network even further, uh, so far, I have a couple of podcasts on board. I'm working on a couple more. Uh, but yeah, so hopefully that'll work out. And uh, it's, it's kind of funny because we're going to call it, it's a pod, it's a horror podcast network because it's going to be full of horror podcasts. So oh, <laughs> it kind of works out pretty well. well. Yeah, it works out pretty, pretty well there. So um, but yeah, I'll be hitting, hitting a couple of you guys up. I hope you're listening to from another podcast. So uh, be listening for that. Um, so yeah, let's try out uh, Alone in the Dark podcast. You guys are awesome, fucking amazing. Bring it every time. Fucking love you guys. You're just the best. That's all I can say about it. Um, Dolls of Horror. Uh, yeah, I think Kevin was just on an episode uh, talking about Intruder. Yes, right? it was a lot of fun, yes. man. Had a good time. Yes, must say I listened to that the other day, and yeah, it was good to hear. Uh, it was cool, cool to hear you was with other people talking about movies. So very. I know very it was, it's so. weird. I listened. Uh, obviously, it, come on, mention your episode too. Uh, Wes was talking about. I'm going to give you everyone a second to guess what he was talking about. Scream. He, yeah. he got to talk about Scream <laughs> with the Dolls of Horror, too. That, and I was going to mention the same thing, how fun that was to hear you talk to other people. Yeah, yeah it was very different, but it was, it was really cool. So they're they're great. I just love those those ladies. They're amazing. So go give them a listen and uh, give them some support. And uh, they're doing great. So uh, And also, I guess the last one we're going to shout out is a podcast on Elm Street. Uh, these guys are cranking these episodes out like crazy right now. Uh, so please go give them a listen. They're really good and know what they're talking about. So go check them out. Um, I guess time to plug ourselves up. 
you can find us on Instagram at It's a Horror Podcast. Same for Facebook. Fuck Twitter. Fuck Twitter. And my personal Instagram is Old Man Ghost Face, and yours is Slashing Captain. And I think he has some reviews coming out pretty soon too. So make sure you check those. Oh, we're already out by this time. So yes. go check those out. But I have all of them. I actually, have, my my top five. Actually, I uh, did a review for all of those, and uh, we'll be posting them. Perfect, perfect. I'll say, and if you want to read more, um, you can just search the hashtag. Was it slashing Captain Reviews? Yes, hashtag slashing Captain Reviews. Perfect. So go check that out too. Uh, probably be easier to find, easier to, to scroll through. So um, anyway, there you go. Um, I guess there's nothing else left to do to find out what we're doing on our next show. So why don't you tell us, Kev? Yes. So real quick before that, I wanted to mention mention the um, the the people that follow us. What what is that called? Patrons. Oh my god, I had a complete brain aneurysm for a second. I'm sorry. Um, right. our, our patrons again. Thank you. You guys are the uh, the OGs. You know we really appreciate you. And for anybody wondering what being a patron will get you, you get all these episodes early. You get to listen to them a week before the other ones. Um, you know, before we didn't really have a system set up for the patrons, and we we thought if you guys are going to support us, we're gonna we got to support you too. So, you know. We want you guys to be able to see our stuff before anybody and and talk with us. And it, it was important to Wes and I to make sure that you guys are covered. So I just wanted to to let you guys know what the uh, benefits of being a patron are. Yes, exactly. I couldn't have said it better, man. Totally. And I think we're going to do some commentaries for the patrons too. So that should be kind of fun. We're, I'm going to get that set up. I'm going to get that finalized and, and get that going. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. So. Definitely. Now, on to what we're doing next week. Now, this is this is going to be a very exciting episode. Um, we we we're, we've been trying to keep up with an older director followed by a newer director followed by an older. Obviously, as we had John Carpenter, then Eli Roth. We just did Argento. We're going to do James Wan. So we're we're bringing the spookies in. We're getting into haunted territory. Um, of course. Anybody who's a fan of his knows all the films that he's done, so it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a good episode, so stay tuned in two weeks from now, and uh, we're going to have a good time together. Hell yeah, man. I can't wait to talk about these films because Juan, he's so all over the place, too. I think he even did like he did Aquaman and a few other like, non-horror, so he has his hands in everything. So Fast and yeah. Furious 7. <laughs> yes, I was say, that's, that's a very odd you know, one to, to do, but yeah, seriously, he's just all over the place, so... And, uh, yeah, excited to hear uh, your thoughts on this films. And uh, so, yeah, it should be a good time. Definitely. Uh, I guess that's about it for this episode. So I didn't forget anything, did I? No, huh? Perfect. Last time I fucking forgot to, what I always do next time. So <laughs> make sure I'll talk about that for sure. Well, I guess that's all we got for uh, this episode. So I'll just say my name is Wes. I'm Kevin. And we'll see you next time. See ya. I won't.